So welcome back to the show, everyone. Today we have Adam Sewell from Digital Spark Studios. I hope I said your last name right. As I was saying it, I was like, I don't know. Close. We'll call it close <laughs> enough, huh? It's been butchered all okay. my whole life, so it's fine. How do, you, how do you say it properly? It's Sewell. It's just like... Sewell. Sewell, yeah. You just kind of flow through all the letters and it just becomes one mush. One mush. <laughs> one mush. Um, why don't we start with a little intro about uh, who you are and, and uh, a little bit about uh, who Digital Sparks is. Sure. So uh, we're based in North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina. We're a video production company down here. Um, we started out about eight years ago now. 2015 is when we, is when we filed for our LLC officially. Uh, back then, we were working full-time jobs. I say we, me and my partner, Joshua. Um, we were working for a, a 3D printing company in the manufacturing space, one of the biggest ones in the world. And they had a very small marketing team. Uh, and it was Joshua and I who were in charge of doing all the global marketing for visuals, so video, photography, motion graphics, graphic design, that kind of stuff. We were in charge of handling that side of the business. And uh, from there, we basically said, all right, we're traveling around a lot. We're doing some cool projects. They're sending us all over the world to do this stuff. This is great. But it kind of gave us a taste as what could have been. So when I came into the company and Joshua was already there, we kind of immediately like gravitated together and was like, all right, let's do this, but on a bigger scale. Let's serve more customers, tell different stories. And that's kind of how we got started. And again, so eight years later, we're still doing, doing our thing, just trying to improve every day. Nice, nice. So eight years, it's uh, you and another business partner, um, we, we don't often see a lot of other companies that have two business partners. So I'm just wondering, uh, how's your dynamic with each other? <laughs> and I understand why. And, and Joshua would say the same thing. Uh, trust me. So we've gone through difficult patches and, and it's like, it's like a marriage. There's, there's, there's compromise, there's communication, obviously at the forefront of everything. Uh, the dynamic to start with was, you know, we both did everything for everyone. We had kind of had a little bit of a handle into, into the business and, and into the, to the creative process. But, you know, that was, we were first time business owners. So we were making it up as we go along, like, you know, like most people. And we still kind of are doing that today, even though we have a little bit more experience. Um, but it was probably about four or five years ago now that we really sat down and figured out what we want to do and how we make this a little bit more official and make this a little bit more structured. And that's when I took control of more of the client facing communication side of things, talking with clients, bringing in new clients, um, onboarding and everything up until the creative discussions start. I still have a handle in that, but that's where Joshua comes in. He's one of our lead directors. He directs most of the stuff that we do um, to a certain scale until we need to bring in external help. So yeah, Joshua kind of oversees the project from start to finish from a creative standpoint where I project manage per se um, from more of a client facing financial kind of standpoint there. That sounds so familiar to like us in a way because we it was also for us same thing like about four or five years into it we kind of sat down and like started restructuring everything and um, I've I guess we're just basically like maybe two three years behind you guys I guess based on what I'm hearing <laughs> right Carol? Yeah I mean like for us it was it was partially because of the the pandemic which forced us to really reflect on that was there a similar kind of aha moment for you guys where it was like okay, this is how we've been kind of operating for the last five years. Like you said, as if you're doing everything, how do, what was the thing that kind of got you thinking, oh, maybe we need to relook at the business and how can we actually treat it as a business? Was there a moment like that? Uh, I wouldn't say there was one specific moment, more of a culmination of small moments that came to a head, um, to put it, you know, in, in, in that way. You know, like there was, you know, an element of maybe 
kind of resentment on both our parts to, to between like what we were doing in the business. Like obviously now it's so clear that Joshua is more like creative leaning and I'm a lot more, I guess, you know, more, more worried about the relationships on the front end and building those and, and creating a good first impression with clients and getting them on board and getting them understanding what we can do and what our capabilities are. So it was, it was just through trial and error and going through those, those rough patches that it really just came out the other end in that, all right, we've got, so we've got to change something. And then that ultimately led us to being like, oh, okay, we're a business. Let's be a bit more serious about the way we structure this thing. I think it's uh, very common with a lot of the companies, especially when there are more people involved. As you start working together more and more, you start understanding how the business works, who's who has strengths in what areas. And it's good to let people kind of lean into those a little bit more. That way, like no one can do everything on their own. You know, you have to let certain people take the lead on certain aspects of the business in order for it to grow down the road. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and just embracing that. And just if anyone is, you know, even a few years behind us and, and, and where you guys are, just like embracing that early on is is I think only only a good thing. You know, when when you're very early on, you're wearing a lot of hats anyway. And that's still going to be true uh, very early on. But just deciding like which kind of, you know, if there is a lean or a decision on a, in a certain side of the business, maybe one person takes it and the other person takes the other stuff. But I think just kind of starting off with that at the, at the forefront of your thinking is, is a good way to move forward for sure. That definitely happens too when the workload becomes greater. Because if you are wearing all those hats and the workload starts to increase, then you realize after a while you're like, I don't even have the patience to like fight for that type of this. It's like, look, if you're good at that, just you take care of it. I don't care. Like I got other stuff to focus on, you know? Yeah. It's knowing when to let go on certain parts of the the process where it's not necessary to fight on. Like I remember when we were first starting out, every single step of the process, it was like we had a committee meeting, Dario and I, where we were like, all right, should we make, should we cut out this shot from the video? And then we would both be like talking about whether we should or shouldn't. Whereas like now we've gotten to the point where we work together long enough that we can trust each other's judgment on, on a lot of aspects of the whole process where it's like, if, if he, if one of us says they can handle something, trust them to handle it so that, you know, you could focus on other things. Cause there's only so there's only like eight to 10 hours in a day that you could spend working. You know, you can't do every single part of the business or dedicate time to it. Yeah. And you naturally want to focus more on certain things as, as time goes by, you're like, okay, I, I like, like you, like uh, Adam, like you were saying, you like more of the client relationship side of things. So you want to focus more on that. So you're like, okay, I'd rather deal with that than dealing with maybe like the accounting or whatever. Right. So you're naturally drawn to different sides. I was just going to say that accounting is something that you should still always be well versed in no matter what. I was trying to think of an example. <laughs> that was the wrong example. <laughs> marketing, maybe. Marketing, Let's say yeah. marketing. Throw, yeah. throw in marketing instead of accounting. Well, I think, I think that that chapter we'll call it of an uh, like starting a business early on i think going through that chapter is really important and is something that should you should kind of experience to to understand the inner workings because essentially like you go from working at a desk for a company next to someone um for a long period of time and you know you you get to know them on a certain level but 
you go into business ownership together, that relationship takes a quick, you know, it, it, it amplifies significantly. And to go through those, those chapters where you're kind of button heads and maybe kind of stepping on each other's toes and kind of in, the, like you said, they're in the room, just kind of making, like hashing out decisions on a granular level for every decision that needs to be made. I think that's important, but, you know, equally as important is coming out the other side with like, you know, a solution to like what that is, because I think going through that helps you understand people on a different level, for sure. What would you say you're you're dealing with now as like some, so like, you know, back then you were dealing with uh, how do you split roles between you, uh, the, the partnership and everything? Like, what are, what are some of the issues you're dealing with now? Not even issues, but like maybe challenges or, or like bumps, bumps, bumps yeah. on the road. Bumps. Mm, I don't know if I'd call it bumps. One of the main things that as a video production company, I'm not sure if you experience, I know a couple of production company owners that do, is the infrequency of cash flow. And what I mean by that is, is there is no telling what next year is going to look like from a forecast standpoint, really. You know, you can understand that you're growing year over year. Great. But when, what does that year look like? Is, is February going to be amazing next year for no reason? Is it going to be May? Because uh, May is usually quite a strong month for us. Is it going to be May or is May going to go quiet? Having that kind of like forecasting is really at the forefront of my mind. And that comes from, you know, just, just trying to make it a little bit more consistent, looking forward, you know, always having in the back of the mind that this could be potentially a sellable entity one day and having that forecast and, and that predictable cash flow is is really important with that in mind. So like diversifying our income is, is is a big thing. So I mentioned before we started to talk like rental equipment, studio, like we just built a studio at the beginning of the year that is now available for rent for production companies and com- and and clients directly as well that they can come in and use. But so stuff like that, which has had a little bit more control where we can put things out there and say, okay, these are available. And that gives us, you know, different flow, uh, ways of bringing in predictable income and rather than just relying on, you know, whether a client needs a video because, you know, you, you've probably experienced that you can't just necessarily put a Facebook ad out and say, hey, we do this video. Okay, how much is it? Oh, it's over $10,000. I'm not going to make that decision on a whim, right? That's not going to happen. It, it's something that needs to be nurtured um, and something that is, you know, it's it's... It's hard to master, and I, I'm not ashamed to admit that it's something I'm working on every day is to figure out like how to make that a little bit more predictable, for sure. You were mentioning about the importance of diversifying your incomes, and I think that's something a lot of production companies struggle with because of that lack of knowing what to predict in like the coming years, right? And I find a lot of the time it's like, what was our average uh, income in this year? Okay, let's not expect that. And let's plan for if we had like, say, half of that or less than that, you know, and then that way, if you do better, then you can do better. But one part I actually like that you mentioned was opening up a studio and kind of like leaning into that almost like as its own business, because that is actually something Dario and I have talked about a lot. And I'm sure a lot of production companies are thinking to themselves, like, what what would it take to actually start a production studio specifically, like a space of like, say... 2,000 square feet, 3,000 square feet, whatever it might be. Like, how did you guys go about that process and how long did it take? So we've been in this space, this echo chamber that I'm sure you can maybe hear a little bit of um, for three, three and a half years now. Um, and it's a great space, 25 foot ceilings, you know, lot, lots of room to just kind of uh, do, you know, pr- um, host video shoots. So 
lots of opportunities and stuff, but we didn't, we didn't ever had anything that was like official, like a production space in it. We've got our desks, we've got seating areas, we've got storage space for our equipment and stuff, but we're like, okay, this is something that we could utilize. It's like a twofold thing, right? Like we could definitely utilize it and others could definitely and come in and rent it and utilize it themselves as well. So it was like a, a win-win and it was, seemed like it was just something that we probably should have done sooner um, just because we're in a space that lends itself well to it. And we just said, okay, how can we do it and how can we do it right? So we put a lighting grid in. We have some pre-light uh, lights attached to it that are part of the rental rate. And we have a seating area for clients where they can stream what's, what's coming out of the camera to the TV. How do we do it right? Yeah, so that's kind of like what led us to it. And to kind of go back and answer your question is like, we should have done it sooner. Like, that, that's really like what it boils down to. Like, I wish we did it a couple of years ago, but we just weren't really sure that if this was the space that we were going to stay in for long enough to do so. Um, so yeah, we built it ourselves from from the ground up. Uh, lots of two by fours and um, lots of uh, lots of dust in the office for a long time, but it, it's great now. Yeah, love it. How did you guys uh, did you guys uh, get a loan to be able to make all those modification and changes and additions, or did you guys just set aside money and then over time just you guys had a big fund to be able to to get everything? Yeah, because it's a big investment. It's not something that you can just like pull out of like your bank account as a business, especially when you have such uncertain cash flows over time, you want to make sure you have enough to keep the business operating properly. Is it like something you had to set aside as Dario mentioned? I don't like loans. Um, so no, we didn't, we didn't get a loan or anything. This was just, we, we were, we're in a fortunate position to have enough cash on hand to, to do it. Um, and we, we looked at it as like, all right, cash. And then in a spreadsheet, like how do we have to what do we have to do? How many shoots do we have to book on this thing to, to pay it back? And you know, it's just going to be a working document. So uh, it's we, uh, look at it as an investment more than an expense. So it's you know it's it should pay itself back over time. Yeah, but I mean, one fortunate thing for you is that you guys were already in a space that, luckily, you can kind of adapt to what you needed. Um, like I like I, right now, we're still kind of. We're still pretty remote with the way we work. And a lot of production companies are in a similar boat where typically like a, you don't always need a production studio. So a lot of the time people will rent it out depending on the client projects that are needed. At the most, they'll have like an office space or whatnot. But yeah, actual like studio space is not, not that common, I would say. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe it is more common. We don't know. But because like I'm wondering how it goes, like how you can go about finding like that pro- right space where you'd have to rent, but then also you have to make all these modifications to do it. It's almost like a much bigger lump sum. Like I'm glad to hear though that for you guys, it probably wasn't that bad because you were already in it. And it was just a matter of modifying some things as you went along rather than one thing completely at once. (laughs) Yeah, you. I mean, you nailed it there. That's really it. It's it's been a long-term project. And that's probably why that we didn't do it sooner is because we looked at it as like a bigger project that was going to incrementally improve and serve what we needed to serve uh, over time. Um, and another thing I didn't mention, I should have mentioned earlier, is, is that one of our, like our co-tenants in this space, so we work in like a, an industrial park type space, um, is, is also kind of like benefiting from having it here as well. So they want, they want photography. They do, they're in like the uh, flame retardant apparel industry and they need, oh, they nice. need like photography and, and video of, of their apparel as that comes out. Um, so it was an, it was also, it was also like a guaranteed kind of like consistent revenue stream straight off the bat from them because they need to churn that stuff out and we have the space nice. and they were like, all right, yeah, if you build that space, we've got work for you. That, that helps mitigate the risk. 
it's not good. That's that's really good to hear that, uh, you know, because Kirill and I were talking about it and it's in our long term, long term plan, but it's good to see like how other people are doing it. And another thing I really liked is that you were mentioning the the, the diversification of income, because I don't think it's something a lot of us think about too often because we just think, OK, we do video production, so we'll obviously just provide videos to our clients. Right. But like you were saying, you got to think about uh, other more, you know, stabilized sources of income. So like the the rental space, you, you'll be able, I guess, over the I mean, over five years, five plus years of doing it, you'll be able to gauge like an average of what the monthly income from that will be. And then you, you were also mentioning equipment rental, right? I guess the key takeaway uh, for people listening is that you don't have to do everything all at once and plan for it in kind of stages. And I think that's what will make it a lot more digestible. Like say, for example, first find a space that you can work out of, see if that works financially, then slowly add other aspects to it. Maybe you can get it to that point. Not everyone has like a hundred grand that they could just drop on renovating a whole space to be a studio, right? I mean, it's probably... Probably more than that that they spent on. <laughs> of course, but like the other thing is like, uh, especially with these places, because you're renting these uh, or like you're leasing out these the space for like three to five years. What if you put all that uh, money and investment into that space, and then all of a sudden the tent uh, the owner says, "Oh, sorry, you're, you're gonna have to oh, yeah, you're gonna have to move out." And then, yeah. So that's another concern you have to think about later. So down how's the road. that work? How's that work with you, Adam? Like, do, have you guys, you haven't, guys haven't bought the actual no. space. You guys are we're just leasing, leasing it? Um, and that was in, in our thought process as we were putting it together. So we, we built it in a way so that we can reuse a lot of the materials um, that, that we used. So, you know, it's all, it's all two by fours that are screwed together so we can just disassemble it and reuse the material. Um, again, we built it ourselves. So um, it was kind of the labor was essentially zero. Um, and yeah, we just get like, and I kind of want to like reiterate what you just said there is that, you know, this didn't, we didn't start yesterday and build this, right? You know, like we've been doing this for eight years. We, we worked in the spare bedroom of my house when we first got started. There was three of us. We didn't even have three desk chairs. We didn't have, you know, like one of the, one of the, one of the guys that was working with us at the time, like he was sitting on the floor, like HDMI into one of my TV that I had in the room. You know, it was, it was, it was Awesome. Like, I love looking back and seeing that time, but like, you know, it, this is not something, you know, that I would recommend even for people to try and like get into like, you know, early on, go through those early phases, get to understand the business, get some cash, you know, like under, you know, get, get the bank account where it needs to be and then figure out what the right investment is. It, it's probably not a studio space to start with. Like just figure out what you want to do. Yeah. It's such a slow burn. How are you managing like, cause now, okay, you have three sources of income. You have the video production side of the business, uh, equipment rental, and the location space, the studio rental space. How are you managing all those three? Because in a way, they could all be three different businesses, right? It's uh, it's, it's a lot of time. You know, it takes a lot. No, no sleep? Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't get a lot of sleep. I've got two little kids at home, so I don't get much anyway. But, um, you know, when I'm awake, I'm, I'm, I'm barely here. Uh, it, honestly, like to be fully transparent, like the rental side of the business is definitely definitely a supplemental income. It's not something that we put a huge amount of focus on. It's it's there. It's like we have it on ShareGrid, for example, and, and we get a decent amount of rentals on a monthly basis through ShareGrid, although they are crooks and they take away most of your money through the commission side of things. Um, and uh, 
and then the studio rental is just getting up and running, right? So it's it's still very early and in its infancy, and like the business side of that is still developing. You know, we have the legal stuff in place and like you know the the, the contracts and everything, but this is something that is again going to develop over time, and, and how we're going to push this out to the masses and, and really figure out what we want to do with that. So I say all that to say, like the main focus is still a video production company. You know, like if there is a production company here in Charlotte that does the rental business and the video production company, and they do it so well. Like they have great reputation, awesome, awesome guys over there. And they, and they just, they've really nailed it. Like they've, they've nailed, they're like, they're, they're like some of the best guys that you could work with on like the rental side of the business, but they're also like have just like an incredible production company as well. So it's doable. I know they've got full-time employees on the rental side of the business. We don't have that. We're kind of just going to tackle them both. Um, so Definitely supplemental on the rental side, on both studio and and gear wise. Yeah. One one thing I just want to like highlight is that like when you're diversifying your income like this, you don't have to have each part of the each different uh, source of income be its own business. At the end of the day, if sometimes it can be like you're doing as a supplemental thing where it's very minimal effort but to at least get something in return. Cause you said, for example, you're using it through a certain website, these uh, rentals. So yeah, they might take more of the cut, but they're handling all the messaging, all the chasing people, all the stuff that would take so much time that like it would take away from the, th- the big moneymaker, which is the production company itself, right? That is at the end of the day, the main source of income. If you can get rentals for a, like say an income of a thousand dollars a month, for just a couple emails here and there a month, that's pretty That's pretty decent. Whereas if you did $2,000 of income a month, but you have to spend like two hours daily making sure you're operating that process well, it's just, the point is like, you have to be able to figure out how much time and effort will go into each of these um, sources of income, right? Like even if you did like affiliate marketing or something like that, if it's something as easy as just creating a link, you know, it's it's low effort, some reward you just have to balance it out for sure and and i kind of would would say to that also like it doesn't necessarily even have to be like a different line of business it could also just be focusing on like the video production side of your business and they're saying how can i get a little bit more consistency and predictable income and 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 you naturally probably lean towards more of like a retainer type agreement consistent like ongoing work over a period of time uh, as and we look at that as like a foundation, right? It doesn't have to be, a, it's not all going to be elaborate. Like it's not all going to be car commercials. It's not going to be like that type of thing. But if you have to do like corporate videos for, you know, a waste management company that can book you in for 12, 18, 24 month contracts, and you can just then start to forecast, say, all right, we know we've got this. Can we allocate a percentage of this towards marketing? Can we allocate, can we bring someone in as a full-time employee because of this guaranteed income that we're going to have? Um, that is also a, a really good way of of saying, all right, we're a little bit more confident about the way that we can go into things. We can take on some more creative projects that are going to be in the portfolio, but we know that we've got this fullback work that is going to give us a certain amount of money on a monthly basis as well. So, I mean, it doesn't have to be a rental business or a different business. It can be just tweaking the business model a little bit. You mentioned uh, retainer projects. Uh, have you have you found a lot of success with those? Reasonable, reasonable. The reason it's reasonable is when we don't we don't like to be like that a la carte kind of like cut and paste production company. Um, our retainer models are a little bit different. They're essentially a a bucket of money that depletes 
uh, over time, but guarantees our availability. Um, so say, say it's a 12-month contract, $100,000. They've, they've got our services for $100,000 over the course of the next 12 months. And we, on a quarterly basis, we'll, we'll kind of revisit and say, all right, this is how much we've got left. What project's next? If it's a testimonial that costs them ten dollars to $15,000, right, that just deducts from the $100,000, but guarantees our availability. So we'll just have to move around things to make sure they get it. But clients will pay to know that you are there at the drop of a hat. And that's the way that we well, structure it. It's like it's like a credit it's like a credit system almost in a way. And I actually that that actually just reminded me of like a like a recent client uh, project that we've kind of signed for the year as well, where it's not it wasn't phrased as like a retainer model, but then if you look at it, it really kind of is. It's like for four quarterly videos in the year, you may not be getting paid on a monthly basis, but retainers don't have to be like a monthly thing specifically. It could be like a quarterly thing as well. It's like we know every quarter with this client, we're going to do this project, then this project, then this project. But I, I like your approach exactly. too, where it's like a, it's like, it's like buying gift card almost in a way, <laughs> like a gift card of a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, and you can also like, you want to incentivize them as right as well, right? So maybe you give them a 10% discount. So they're getting, you know, $111,000 worth of stuff for a hundred thousand dollars or, you know, so you, you, they're not going to sign it unless there's an incentive, like other than the convenience of you being available. I don't think that's enough to convince someone that they're, you should, they should sign that big of a contract. But if you say, all right, over the course of the year, you're going to save 10, 11, $12,000, then, you know, the accountant team might pay attention. <laughs> Buy four videos, get one free. <laughs> yeah. However you want to word it, right? Like, I mean, there's definitely ways. Yeah. Absolutely. I want to look at the financial side of that. So like, are you, um, you're locking them in for like, let's say a hundred K, like as soon as they sign the contract, are you doing like they do quarterly payments to you or is it Month, monthly, uh, monthly, yeah, monthly payments? Just yeah. Like and it benefits us so much as well. You know, like if their initial project is going to be a $30,000 project and they want to get started right away, then we would have that conversation and say, all right, Let's do let's do like the deposit of you know fifty percent of the entire retainer, and then once we catch up to six months down the road or whatever it may be, it's it's or or we you know short we we make it five thousand dollars a month there on out um, for the rest of the duration of the contract. So how do you go about uh, like uh, bringing up that type of uh, that type of uh, uh, how do you say agreement to a lot of clients? Because you, you know what, Carol, to to add on to that, uh, do you find a lot of su success with new clients or uh, recurring clients. It's a great question. That. No, it's, yeah. it's definitely you want to have a relationship, right? You want to make sure yeah, okay. that you're going. That's what I in, figured. Yeah, a hundred percent. I would never pitch. Oh, I would maybe mention it in passing, very casually, in some of our earlier conversations, um, as something to look forward to or something we can explore down the road after initial one or two projects. But it's definitely something that that would hit a lot harder once you start to develop an ongoing relationship because. You know, because then they can see the financials. If they've spent $20,000 with you over the course of two videos and they've got 20 videos to do this year and they know it's going to be $10,000 every video, you can easily show them the, the value um, over time if you were to do it that way. You don't want to scare them right off the bat. And the funny thing is, uh, I just thought of an analogy. It's like, it's, imagine you go on a first date and immediately the first thing you're talking about is getting married. <laughs> it's going to scare <laughs> <Exactly>. everybody away. <laughs> 
That's a, that's a great analogy. Yeah, it's, it's so true, dude. Like, I mean, and yeah, you, you want to make sure that you're just knocking those first couple of projects out of the park, building that rapport with the, you know, those human connections with the people who are going to ultimately vouch for you internally. If it's like the director of marketing, the market, yeah, whoever it may be, they're the ones that are going to be taking that up to the higher ups and say, hey, if we do this with these guys who are really good and have done great work for us in the past, we'll save this amount of money over a period of time. I mean, if you just look at it from like how they're going to like like present it to their internal team who they have to get approvals from, it it makes a lot more sense that way. Well, it comes down to numbers, right? Because if if they then go and present it and they're like, look, we're going to save 20,000 a year, you'd have to be a fool not to take them up, not to take, the, the vendor up on that option or, uh, because you're saving money, right? That's the whole For sure. name of the game. They have to go through your process. They have to go through it and they have to see if they even like working with you at the, at the same time because th- that will help them kind of justify other parts of the process. Like I feel like once we've worked with some clients for uh, multiple projects over time, you also feel comfortable pitching ideas to them because the one thing is that that they will also appreciate is that you also understand their business a lot more you can understand better what their needs are what what might work for them versus what might work for someone else so that you're pitching something a little bit more tailored and that relationship can build even more over time do you ever uh, like get in touch with your clients like i guess you obviously the ones that you're on a good good basis with and and try to like see what their marketing goals are for the year and whatnot and see how you can kind of fit into that picture? Absolutely. I was actually going to bring up that point. I'm glad you did. Um, I I always try to take it as, as someone who's interested in the bigger picture because that's just ultimately what we do as like video creators. Like we're just going to, we're just a part of the puzzle that is their marketing plan throughout the year. And to show that you have an actual interest in that early doors, like early on in the conversation is to, is to show that you care about like, how they can get the best product to ultimately uh, like go towards that goal of that market and plan. So yeah, trying to understand what they're, you can even ask them, you know, like ask them about budget, you know, like what is their market and budget going forward? I'll ask that. And, you know, sometimes they'll tell you, sometimes they'll, you know, scoot around it like everyone else does. So, um, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's like pulling teeth, getting budget talk. Pulling teeth. It it really is. But you know, I, to answer your question, yes, absolutely. Talk about the the broader market and plan, show that you care, show that you have an understanding of other parts of like the broader market and plan and how you might fit into it. So I think, and that is just going to be like, oh, that's actually a really good point. I didn't think about that. You'll get that response a lot. It's a collaborative effort over time, right? And it's it's not like you trying to pitch them something. You know, you also have to hear from them like what what they need and what will probably help them over time as well. Absolutely, probably just pitching it as like a free consultation call. Like you'll sign an NDA, whatever, just so you can get a bird's eye view on their whole marketing plan, and then kind of see if where you you can help them in, right? Yeah. I personally, I probably wouldn't bring up an NDA. I'd just try and like make it as conversational as possible and just let them volunteer information. If they're not, I wouldn't force it too much. But just showing that you're actually interested um, in that sort of stuff uh, early on is, uh, is kind of how I would take it. But I mean, by all means, try the NDA. That's a good approach, showing that you care about your clients and like and how they're doing as well. Because that I think going from that approach makes it more casual, as you mentioned, not making it too formal, especially if it's if nothing is in the works at that point, right? And it will also help them like understand 
uh, how like the video will fit into a campaign that they maybe haven't even thought about. They've got multiple like companies at a certain site. They've got like multiple multiple campaigns running throughout the year, and they maybe haven't addressed like oh, okay, we've got web, we've got a web landing page, we've got some graphic design, we've got some photography scale, but like we haven't really thought about video. But a video for this campaign would actually work really well, and it would just maybe get if you can get them thinking about the ways that they can use you. It's you know they're obviously going to be able to convince themselves a lot more than you're going to be able to convince them. We we kind of we deal with a lot of B two B clients, so I'm finding that a lot of them don't have too many like crazy like marketing campaigns uh, on the books, but they do need video content still. And a lot of them I'm finding we're finding that there there's a lot of different types of videos that they're lacking. So we were we were just talking amongst ourselves and we were thinking of like maybe. Once uh, every quarter, whatever, like well, once a year, just uh, hitting them up and saying, hey, we were just uh, thinking about you guys. We developed like a list of these types of videos that could benefit you because that's, that's what we're noticing right now with a lot of our B2B clients. They would probably appreciate the suggestion, right? The direction. I mean, we, we get clients a lot where they maybe haven't even started to explore video. They've got a, a pretty decent built out market and team and and but they've not really moved into the video space yet so anytime that you can provide uh, suggestions based on experience and like industry knowledge most of the time they're going to be appreciative of that of that and if it means you know touching base once a quarter to make those suggestions then i think they would you know they would they would take those suggestions and and run with them you know if they're not if they don't take them at least you'll be at the forefront of their mind again yeah, the other thing we're we're also finding a lot of success on is uh, providing additional services like photography services. And right now, with the with with, with the podcast effect that we're, we're developing this network of businesses, like not just across Canada, but now into the into the U.S. and you know next month probably into the U.K. as well. Like a lot of our clients are like, oh, okay, you know, we might have a headquarters over here. That would you be able to to grab some video footage for us of? And it's nice to know these uh, trusted partners in these other cities because then you can also go to your clients saying like, hey, we've taught, we've uh, built a relationship with this company in, say, Charlotte, and uh, and they can probably help us out with this kind of project if, if you need help there. Having all these different kind of uh, relationships built can really help in that sense as well. Absolutely. <clears throat> Get that wider footprint. Let's talk about the, uh, the market over there in, uh, in Charlotte. Like what's what's it like over there? So in terms of like film community, we have a great film community in Charlotte. It's it's obviously it's not like Atlanta and it's not LA, but in terms of just like the talent and the the people that we have at our fingertips here down, it's 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 really cool. Like it's it's, it's quite a tight knit community. Like most people know most people in the space, which is really cool. There's not many egos, um, which is obviously one of the main things that we look for when we're hiring crew. Um, so it, it's, it's awesome in terms of like industry down here, Charlotte's one of the banking capitals here. So we've got, you know, all the banks you can imagine. Really? Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, it's, that's surprising. That. Wow. <laughs> that's our main, main industry down here. There's, there's banking, there is a fair amount of manufacturing, um, here as well. Um, so there's a lot of businesses in, in those spaces and, yeah, it's, it's really cool. And we're not far from Atlanta as well. So sometimes uh, those those things kind of filter out down this way. Because like in, in Canada, at least like from our experience and people we've talked to, a lot of the time everyone tries to get to some of the bigger cities because there is a little bit more work. But then when we uh, have guests and uh, who are in smaller communities, is it very interesting to hear that kind of dynamic and how 
how tight knit the community is and how there's more of like a camaraderie I find like from what I've understood that everyone has. And it's interesting to hear that because in the bigger cities, like here in Toronto, it's like, it's, it's a very hustle mentality that a lot of people have in comparison. So it's just interesting to hear that. I think it makes sense naturally. If you think about it, if you're in a small community, everyone knows everyone, you're not going to get anywhere if you're an asshole, right? You you can't because your name is just going to get tarnished so quickly. And, you know, we have that good old Southern mentality as well, where most people are mostly nice, even though most people aren't from Charlotte. Um, you know, we've, we've got, you know, for the most part, most people are nice down here. But once you get to those bigger communities, they, there are so many people to choose from and, and, you know, not everyone knows everyone. And, you know, that leaves room for, for people who aren't, don't have everyone's best interest in mind, you know, in, and egos can develop. So. Yeah. Ego is a big, uh, is a big, uh, killing force in the industry and a lot of people are trying to you know get ahead as quickly as possible and uh, like uh, we get it you know everyone wants to move forward uh, in their careers they want to grow their companies but uh, i feel like sometimes some people forget about the importance of building proper relationships over time and and that is one very key aspect in our industry at least for longevity absolutely though i will work with someone who is nice and hardworking over someone who has an ego and maybe does a little bit better work every day of the week you know i've no interest in working with people who are hard to work with absolutely zero you should be having fun working with the people that you that you work with it shouldn't be too transactional like it's the second things seem a little too transactional and there's no like like uh chemistry between crew members and team members then like, like, it's all like, what's the point of us even doing this at the end of the day, right? Exactly. I mean, that's that's why we got into it, right? We enjoy what we do, and why would we move it into any other way or bring people on who who challenge that? But tell me a little bit more about the Toronto market. I want, I'm curious about. I want to know about you guys specifically, like the story behind you guys, and then a little bit more about like the Toronto market as well. Dario, Joel, do you want to? Okay, okay, I can do it. <laughs> you got, you got, now you got, I, I was wondering if you got tired of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's, you know, what's funny is that we've, we've, we've gotten asked this question so many times now on the show that it's like, it's, it's becoming like a song and dance. Like, and I remember the very first episodes, we would be like going into very big detail. And then with each time we're asked, it gets more condensed, more condensed, more condensed. <laughs> can I change the, let me change the question then. Yeah, like, yeah sure so, thing. To, to, to avoid just like mind numbing people. Um, so like what, what excites you in, in your day to day job? today as opposed to yesterday like what what is exciting you in in running the business and in the production space uh, of of what you do Ooh, okay that's a good one on my end uh, on my end i actually the one thing i like about every day is that there's there's a potential for something new to come through the front door and that's what i like about our industry is that like you'd be working with some clients one day and then all of a sudden an opportunity can come walking through the front door that just happens to kind of open the door to something completely different, you know? And this especially happened when, um, when we started focusing more on our SEO and trying to get more searchable. And so now we're starting to get more and more leads from different industries that we never had before. Cause we used to be all, um, Word of mouth, right? Our industry is a word of mouth industry, and it's very rare. There's people in similar industries that we're getting recommended to, but now it's like very, very diversified. Yeah, I think is the word. So now it's kind of like there's like that exciting factor where it's like I don't know what's gonna come through the front door in the next week, the next two weeks, the next month, and uh, you know it just it keeps you going. <laughs> I really like the client. It's funny. I'm like you, Adam. I really like the client communications part. I don't know what it is. It just like 
energizes me. I always feel like a lot of energy at the end of those calls. And I love talking to them about, about their project and everything. And uh, the other thing I like as well is that whenever we are shooting, it's always something different. So we're, we're experiencing something that I, I think, actually, I think we have one of like the best jobs out there because we get to experience so many different jobs that I don't think anyone else has that opportunity. It's almost like we're doing like we're, we're in the multiverse. It's like, oh, if I went in that career, down that career path, I would have been, that's what my day to day would have been like. If I went there, it would have been like that. That's the part I like, I like as well, is that every time you're on set, it's always different. You get to see what other people are doing in the world. And I don't know, I just really like that. I also get bored easily. So it's like the perfect <laughs> job for me. <laughs> you know, a funny thing that I, that I realized this actually really early on, even back in 2014, 2015, around the time we started, because we started while we were uh, still in university at the time. And I remember everyone was, we went to business school and everyone is working to get into a lot of these big corporations. You know, you have to start at very junior levels before you could even get the opportunity to work closely with some of the VPs or the CEOs or, and everything. And what made me laugh so much was that I'm still a student technically, yet somehow I am interviewing CEOs for these videos <laughs> that other people, I really have to bust their asses to get to that point. <laughs> It, it was almost like a cheat code I felt like I hit at that point because, I mean, like starting in 2013, 2014, like because I, I, I imagine, Adam, you started around a similar time as well, where that wasn't a time where like the video production company, like the smaller one model was really established as a possibility. And it was almost like you're figuring it out as it goes and you're kind of growing with the industry. So it was interesting to kind of see how that growth became more normalized and like now it's like anyone can grab a camera and then open up a, a corporation name and boom there's a production company right there yeah yeah it's, it's very different now but that's cool i'm glad you guys shared that what about you what what uh what excites you just so I, I i come from a background of sport i played i played soccer in college i played soccer every day for my whole life between like the age of six and 22 so very much in like just incremental improvement. So just like every day improving the company and its processes just slightly, you know, like I'm not in any rush to like, to do anything, you know, I'm just, you know, want to just improve incrementally. So like at the moment, I'm in kind of a phase of just imp improving our client communication and improving the, tr the, the communication that we have at different phases throughout the production and just making sure because you know we're picking up bigger clients now and and at different price points with different expectations and they they need a certain level of you know customer service throughout the journey and they need to be involved at certain places where other you know smaller clients wouldn't you know they would they couldn't care less about you know maybe the versions of the script that were being iterated early on but once you get to a certain phase and these are national broadcast spots, they have a, they have a big say in it they, of, of how they want um, things done. So um, without bombarding them um, with communications, but also conveying the messaging that they need to receive is, is a current like, thing that I'm working through and, and kind of like trying to move throughout the company as well. So very boring answer. I understand that. But it, it, it's just like the incremental changes to get to 
somewhere ahead of where we are today, tomorrow. You know, the funny, the one thing I like about what you mentioned is the the incremental uh, improvements, because I feel like a lot of the time in our industry, we get bombarded with so many other production companies, especially on Instagram and everything. You're seeing like all these massive commercials that's or major projects that a lot of companies are doing. And you're thinking to yourself like, oh man, I, I feel like I can do that, but like I need to do so then I, okay, I have to go out there and like, I got to create like a massive commercial like this right now. It's like, yeah, you can't just do major jumps and things like that to improve. Like the key is to do small steps. Cause if you put too many large goals that you can't attain within a certain amount, that can almost be almost demoralize, demoralizing. I don't know if that's the word. No, no. It's, um, yeah. yeah. Demoral, demoralizing. And then if you could f- make it to the point where you're at least improving something in your business on a daily basis, even if it's small, like the small changes add up to something brick by brick. big. Yeah. Like you can't just wake up tomorrow and like say like, uh, I'm going to start a podcast and like, or start a show and be with like 50 episodes within like 50 days. Like it, it doesn't happen like that. And we, we also learned that in our own way, you know, by actually doing it. You know, the other part of that too, is that you, you, you need to be prepared for when those opportunities do come through the door, yep. right? Because um, if you do get that chance and you blow it, well, that's that's going to tarnish your rep. Yep. And also, like, just deep down, you'll go, damn, I've really screwed that one up, right? Yeah. So yeah. you don't want to you don't want to ever be in that position. Yeah, you've got to put those reps in to, you know, to be able to come out the other end and be able to do it when, when called upon. But I think another way to do it is just like we've been talking about this like over the last couple of years is just like consistently working with people who are considerably better than ourselves at what they do right so you know bringing in like it's not something that we haven't done too much in the past is work with outside directors but this is definitely something that's at the forefront of our focus if and when the opportunity presents itself obviously there's a there's a budget thing that we that needs to be you know achieved in order to do that when it comes to a certain level of director but it also unlocks the opportunity to explore a reasonable sized job, you know, multiple at the same time, you know, like, so, you know, they can control the creative and the pre-production process and we can be doing two, three, four, like good sized jobs with with good sized crews in different locations at any given time. Uh, And it's something that we haven't done, but we're currently going through right now. And it's, it's been a great experience just working with these incredibly talented and experienced directors. Um, I think that is one way that you could maybe leapfrog uh, you know, and leapfrog a step in the process is just handing it off and getting it to the people who have done it before. Yeah, because you'll learn things along the way that you normally wouldn't have on your own, Absolutely. right? Just because they're they're work with, when you're talking about those types of directors, they're they're doing that constantly and they're used to a certain standard. And you know, we we started from from watching YouTube, right? We just aren't going to learn that stuff unless you're on those bigger sets, which those guys are on almost all the time, right? So it's almost like we're stealing, or not even stealing knowledge, which is copying knowledge, you know? It's like peeking into it because they live and breathe it, right? If you get a master, like someone who is a master at that one particular job and you bring them in to, to execute it, you know, you learn what works in your process even over time as well when you have to start bringing in other people. And uh, like when Dario and I were doing the whole production process from start to finish, including the shooting, rarely hiring other people, you know, everything was very generalized because our roles were generalized. But then the second we started hiring people, which we started doing about a year ago, like bring, making it almost like a mandatory thing to have our crews be at least four or five people at a, at a minimum, it allowed us to start 
breaking down the roles, breaking down the creative that goes into each of those roles and realizing what works in the process, what doesn't work in the process, how to manage it with the client, how to improve it over time as well. The second you start bringing in other people, then you can see the flaws in your whole process. And learning and learning from the crew because every now and then a crew member would suggest something that we never even thought about. Yeah. And that, we'd, like, I'll give you an easy example. Uh, our gaffer was uh, asking us if we use this LiDAR app to scan the rooms and everything because we can create setups that way. And we're oh like, what is this thing? It was wild. And so it's called Polycam and it's like a, it's a LiDAR app for iPhone. If you have an iPhone 12 Pro, you can, you can use it. And, We've been doing that for location scouts ever since because we just scan the rooms, create floor maps. Like it helps a ton, right? So, but that's something we wouldn't have learned on our own. You know what I mean? It's something that someone else from uh, brought in with their experience, right? Everyone has different experiences that you could always uh, learn from. Like there have been even times where, like, if uh, like when we've hired like DPs to to help us shoot a few things, uh, we've noticed like, oh, that was interesting how they decided to light that interview, at least as an instinct, right? Oh, that's that's pretty cool how they went about doing that shot. It, like, oh, this gives me ideas on things we could do for other projects. Like, you, you got to learn from the people you work with. I feel like that is a good way to do it. And like you said, surround yourself with people that, surround yourself with people that can do it better and you will learn and elevate yourself over time as well. 100%. Uh, so we're nearing almost the hour mark. So I will answer your Toronto question. Yeah. Uh, the Toronto market question first, then I'll ask you one last one, then we're good. Um, so as the Toronto market, I think it's I think it's very diversified from what we've noticed. There's a bit of everything. I don't think it's like one of those cities where like if you go to the the middle of Canada, it'll be very agricultural focused or like it'll be a bigger portion of the pie. Um, or if you go to like uh, the last guest we had on is in Seattle. Uh, over there, it's very um, tech focused from what they were telling us. Here, I would say it's it's very diversified. You'll be, you, there's a strong financial tech, uh, you know, maybe not not a strong agricultural part to it, but uh, th- there's about everything here. So I don't I don't I don't think it's it's too focused on a particular industry. I would say at least from what we've experienced and and from the other Toronto based companies we've spoken to. You got a pretty good film community there too, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're New York. We're Canadian. We're Canadian New York. So you have people making movies here. There's a ton of companies here doing corporate as well. Um, it's funny. Like when we started the podcast, that was one of the things that we were interested in doing is just networking with other local production houses because it's like there's a ton of us out there and we kind of all know about each other, but no one ever talks to you. No one talks to each other here. No one does. You almost never run into them. Like sometimes you might be bidding for the same project, but like. <laughs> that, that's a, that's bidding not, not whatever <laughs> i need some water bidding okay? and pitching. sometimes you'll be bidding for the same project and you might not even know it it's like it's like it was one of those types of situations but yeah the amount of work that is here i would say is there's a ton of work i mean every company needs video at the end of the day and not just one they need a ton of video content and there are a ton of businesses here in toronto yeah, especially if you're starting out. I, I saw, yeah, that's actually to the point that I was going to make. I mentioned you mentioned on one of the previous podcasts that you, you were kind of concerned about the Canadian budgets compared to the U.S. market. Is that is that still <laughs> the case? Like, oh, is it pretty significant? Uh, so they do listen to the episodes. They actually do listen. <laughs> yeah, I like that he's bringing in these uh, these points. I mean, yeah, like because the what we were talking about in that episode was essentially like uh, the companies that are U.S. based that have offices in Canada 
we can, you can't expect them to be it's not the headquarters so the budget isn't going to be that high right also if they're marketing to the canadian market like we're population of what 35 million how much do you think and then a smaller portion of that is their actual target market compared to the u.s where it's like 350 million population like it's just you can't compare to that right so could happen to target <laughs> that's I, like i don't even know if like that's the 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 budgets are that different down there that's just what i always assume just because you know the the company headquarters are all down there so they probably reserve more money for for stuff there right that's that's what i always assume but i, I don't know how it is like just to kind of uh stress that this is only for like a specific type of clientele this isn't that that wasn't like a general comment in terms of like all the companies that are in toronto it was more so like some companies that are have like a small office in in toronto or like uh like you know it's it's more remote well no you know what it is it, it's it's basically if it's a business that is head it's not applicable to businesses that are headquartered here i would say but most businesses are headquartered in in the us major ones at least so major one if you're a, if you're a fortune 500 you're in you're headquartered in the us most right? of the so. time got it well it's something that i mean you just guys you'll find the bigger budgets you know if if you just keep going you know like they'll, they'll come across I mean, it just seems like yeah, I don't know. One day, maybe. I don't know. They'll, Slowly. They'll, 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 yeah, a big one will just land in your lap. You'll be like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. Most, most, of the, most of our projects are in the medium range now. Like we're kind of like, like small to medium still. Um, you know, but you know, that terminology, Kirill, it, it differs depending yeah, on it, who yeah. we're talking to. <laughs> it depends on the company, yeah. Because our version of medium, it was probably way different from his version of medium. You know, here's the funny thing. I feel like every production company in their own minds, they're always in the small to medium range. <laughs> always. <laughs> no matter what stage and career you're in, yeah. in your mind, you're always going to be in the small to medium range. That's fair. It's so true. what are some next steps, Adam, for you guys in terms of like, what are some things you have in the works or want to do in the, in the, in this year? So we want to keep developing relationships with agencies, market and ad agencies, just kind of build out those relationships. Something that we, you know, we've done in the past and we, and we have some agency partners. It's, it's just, that's kind of the direction that we want to go because we want to get that type of work that they have. Um, so reaching out, connecting, grabbing lots of coffees and lunches with, with these, with these key creative directors and producers at agencies is one thing that we, uh, is at the forefront of our like networking game, um, in terms of like just production side of things, just, just keep improving, keep, again, I think the main focus for me, like uh, for the company is to just keep bringing on talented and, and better creatives, keep bringing in the jobs that enable us to work with the best of the best, essentially. And uh, and I think just with that mindset in mind, you know, things will only improve across the board. We'll learn a lot from them. Our portfolio will improve. The type, the, like, the client experience will improve. Um, it's just like there's a ripple effect that comes from working with the best people. Uh, but obviously that comes from getting the jobs that attract the best people as well, so... Nice. Yeah, that's a good mantra to keep going, you know, and continue those uh, incremental and uh, and minor improvements on a daily basis, right? That's essentially it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so right before we end off, um, tell us how you came up with the name Digital Sparks Studios. Oh, God. You know, I'm not crazy about the name. Like, first of all, like most people don't understand what I'm saying when I say it because of my accent. Uh, and that's a big problem when you're trying to tell people where to find you. Uh, so it was, it was really, it was just like, you know, me, my business partner, 
2015, just kind of sitting across the desk from each other, just trying to fix, rapidly Googling things that were available on, uh, on uh, GoDaddy as, as available domain names. And just, it, we know we wanted like the word digital in there and, and it just evolved from there. It was just a little bit of a riff off until we got to it, but not crazy about the name, but it's stuck now. There's no changing it. We can't do anything about it now. I like it. <laughs> it's always cool to to hear. Like, uh, it's almost like the origin story. I wish I had way. something more interesting <laughs> to to share about it, but it really was quite just a. Uh, all right, we we need a name list. Let's let's go to town on Google and figure it out. I I actually have one more uh, question that I did want to ask, uh, and I, I I wanted to ask it right from the get go, but like. So who's who's the who's the Arsenal fan over there? <laughs> Who is the Arsenal fan? This guy. This guy. Oh, <laughs> all right, all right. So you're buzzing right now, aren't you? I am on cloud nine. I can't even begin to tell you. Like, and I really don't like how much they impact my overall mood. <laughs> I'm, I'm Arsenal day one, man. I've my whole life been following. Oh. So Jesus. Yeah. Considering Arsenal had like Dario, this, uh, this soccer team went through like a period of like three years where it was just, just constant disappointment. Cause I have an Arsenal friend too. And just seeing the pain on his face, Dude, 12 years, 12 years. Like it was so bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's been bad. I've also been suffering too on a, on what was it like a, an eight year period and only or nine year period. And now it's starting to actually kind of slowly come back up guess which guess which club i i, I support okay so eight year period come back up it's coming back up now or is it oh is it livable oh uh, why did you let him you should let him Who guess oh, no, no, i'll let him guess again oh is it, is it <laughs> oh, it's, if you're on the way up it's got to be man united right yeah <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah you've, you've been going for it rough i've been i've enjoyed like laughing with you but while crying about arsenal um over the last few years so yeah man it's it's good for it's looking good for both of us right now. Yeah, if we could just nudge City out of the way, then 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 we'll be back to like the glory days in the mid two thousands, right? When it was just oh, yeah. United and Arsenal. That was that was a legendary era. That was the good times, right there. Yeah. We should connect you with Judah Hernandez from Black Wave Media, uh, who was on the podcast uh, last year. I think he's episode twenty something. Uh, he actually used to be a soccer player before he switched into video production, and he's he opened up an office in. Uh, in the U.S., um, oh yeah, production company. Wh- which city? I think he's in Miami. I-, I think in Miami. Oh, that's a bit f- further than Charlotte, though. <laughs> but he's he's going he's going out to Miami for his shoot. That's actually a good idea. If you want, we could connect you to Judah. Yeah, for sure. Connect us. That'd be great. Okay, well, Adam, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, if you guys want to either rent equipment or rent a studio space or hire uh, Adam's company for your production, then hit him up at digitalsparkstudios.com. Uh, or just, uh, I don't know, get in touch with us and we'll connect you to him. Yeah, that's, that's probably the easiest, <laughs> if anything. <laughs> Anyways, thank you again, Adam. Thanks, guys. Really enjoyed it. I really appreciate you getting me out of like a backlog of meetings. This was really fun. All right, thanks, man. All right, guys. Take care. Take care.